Welcome to our Cove Ladies Bible Study with Covenant Church. We are so excited you have joined us in this Bible revival. Our goal is for you to be challenged and inspired to go deeper into your study of the living word. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest updates on when new episodes are posted. Let's go right into the study recorded at Covenant Church. All right, ladies, I want to welcome everyone to our first, second, and third John book study, Bible study. This is actually the Bible study this time. So I'm so glad that you're here today. We are starting off um, our study today. So if you were here last week, we learned how we're going to study the Bible this week. But I know some of you left and you were like, that was a lot of information that was kind of maybe have maybe have been a little overwhelming. So don't worry, we're going to go slow. Okay. The reason why we're going to go slow is because I really want the scriptures to sink in and us to really sink our teeth in and grab a hold of what the Lord is telling us through scripture. Okay. So we're not going to rush through. It's all going to make sense to you. We're going to go over a little bit of it today as well. Okay. So the very first thing I want to do is pray. You will pray for me. I'm going to catch my breath. And then I will pray for us. So Heavenly Father, we are just so humble, Lord, to come and to be able to study your word together. God, I thank you for this group of women. There, I'm convinced there's not another group of women like the Cove Ladies, Lord. And I thank you for the honor to be able to teach. I don't take it lightly. God, I pray right now for your anointing over me, Lord. I pray for your peace to come. I pray, Father, that your um, character be known tonight, Lord, that you show us and reveal to us your heart. I pray, Father, that you give us knowledge and understanding. I thank you, Lord, for the life of John, and I thank you, Lord, for you inspiring him to give us this message. I know that it's going to resonate, Lord, and I thank you in advance for all the work that's going to happen over the next few weeks as we study together. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, again, this is the Abide Have Ladies Bible Study, and I just want to go over real quick. Why are we studying scripture the way that we're studying? Because I could have easily said, okay, we're going to um, show videos on the screen and you take notes and that's the way we're going to do it. However, the Lord told me, I want you to teach the women how to study scripture on their own because people are going to come and they're going to try to convince you of things that are not true. And it is imperative that us as followers of Christ that we know the word for ourselves so that we can dispute anything that's not in the word and so that we know a true foundation of Christ. We've got to know his word. We've got to know his heart. And when we know his heart, it transforms us as people. And so the more we know him, the closer we get to him, the more we look like him, the more we begin to sound like him and to act like him. And that's the desire of the Lord, okay? So first and foremost, I said this last week, but I'm going to say it again. This probably shouldn't shock you, but the Bible is not about us. The Bible is first and foremost about God, okay? He is the whole reason. Everything in this book points to him. A lot of us grew up thinking that this was all about us. And does it teach us about us? Yes. It teaches us about how we should live. It teaches us about how we should treat other people. It teaches us about the principles and the basics of Christianity and why God did the things that he did and does the things that he does. But it is about him. It's to point us to him. It's for us to get to know him, to commune with him. Okay, that's the very first thing um, that is so important as we study scripture together. All right. 
John Calvin says this, there is no true knowledge of self apart from the knowledge of God. We have to know all about God and his characteristics in order to know about ourselves, okay? Let me put this into context. If we say that God is love, what does that mean about us? If God is true love and true love casts out fear, then what does it say about us? Um, how, what does that mean about us? How are we loving other people? How are we loving ourselves? What does it look like? If God is love and we know that God is love, then that means that I am probably not loving exactly the way that I should be. So Lord, show us how to love more like you, okay? So when we see how God loves us, then it transforms us to be more like him. Does that kind of give a little example? All right, so um, we're going to go ahead and turn to your little booklet thing. This is going to carry you through the next several weeks. I have it I have it marked out to where we're going to be doing this for about 10 weeks. And you're, I know you're like, how? It's only first, second. It's like the shortest books in the Bible. Literally, Second John, verse-wise, is the shortest book in the Bible. And literally, Third John is the shortest book of the Bible word-wise. So how in the world are we going to stretch this out 10 weeks? I don't know, but I feel like we can after reading it and studying it. Um, and so I am going off of a timeline that Jen Wilkins gives, and it makes sense the way that she set it up. So all that to say, this should take us through next, this, like this whole rest of this semester, okay? And we're going to study it together. So if you just flip to your first page, this was in the packet last week as well. I kind of duplicated it, but I think it's important enough to have in there. Psalm 19 is one of my very favorite scriptures um, and it says, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They're more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings from the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and keeping them is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Acquit me of hidden faults. Also keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, and I shall be acquitted of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That last part is such a beautiful thing to pray to the Lord. All right, that's all. I wasn't even planning on reading that, but it's just so beautiful. I just love it. All right, and then this is kind of what we talked about last week. These are the tools that we're going to need um, to study Scripture over the next few weeks. You need a Bible, preferably one that you feel comfortable writing in. You need access to a commentary. Now, don't go out and buy a commentary. Um, I want you to, um, you can Google those. You can search online, but I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about commentaries in just a minute. Um, and then... If you want to, I didn't put this on there, but pretty pins help sometimes, pretty pins and highlighters. Uh, it's always fun to have, have cute stuff, right? It makes you want to use it more. So it's like if you get, get uh, new workout clothes, it makes you want to work out, right? So maybe you can get some cute pins. It makes you want to use them a little more. Uh, access to another translation of the Bible. You can just use this on your Bible app if you have that on your phone. And then you'll need your weekly worksheet. So... Um, these you can even hole punch and just put in like a folder and that way you have them, you have them ready for you. You can flip through them and, and use them, um, each week. All right. 
Now, I'm going to go back to the five P's of study from last week. Remember last week that Jen talked about, not Jen talked about, Jen taught me and then I'll talk you last week about the five P's of study. I want to make sure that we go over them because it's really important. The first P is the purpose. Okay, why are we studying scripture? We study scripture to know more about God, to know his heart, to know his character. You are going to hear me say that every single time we come into this meeting and I'm sorry, not sorry, but it's that important, okay? It's so important that we truly understand that we are searching for God in everything that we read. We are not searching for self, okay? The second P is perspective. Remember that the Bible is a big picture from beginning to end. I didn't always know that, and so now that I know that, I want to teach you. Remember, Genesis is creation, and then right, I wish I had like a board I can write this on. Creation starts here. And then like, you know, five scriptures later, not really, but <laughs> shortly after the fall happens. And then the entirety of Old Testament is talks about the fall and how the chosen people, um, the chose Jews and ch- Jewish people are trying to get to the heart of the father. They're trying to get uh, free from their sin and bondage all throughout the Old Testament. And then the New Testament brings the redemption. Jesus comes and he he bleeds and he dies and he is resurrected for our behalf okay so that we can be covered by his blood and that we can be eternally saved if we choose him so that's the redemption process and then the rest of the new testament is the restoration process what does it look like for us as the new church as we are being restored back to christ or through christ to christ through christ so the entirety of the new testament is the restoration process okay So the Bible goes in a complete big picture story. Does everyone see that? Okay, it's really important. All right, so that's your perspective. So when we talk about 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, in just a minute, we're going to put that on the timeline and see where it falls into um, the big picture. The third P is patience. I really had to um, have some patience this week as I was studying, and I laughed today as I was studying, and I remembered... As I was reading through some scripture, I remembered things that I had read about in Genesis when we studied Genesis, what, two years ago? And I thought to myself, okay, Lord, you put that in my heart two years ago so that we can study today. So whenever you read scripture, you may be like, I just don't understand this right now. I don't get it. It's not making sense. Be patient because the Lord is going to work it out. He's going to put it in your heart and it is going to come back to play later on. It is the tiny deposits, okay, that make up a big savings account. And so that's what he's wanting you to do. He says, just put in those tiny deposits with me and I will work it out for you, okay? So is it okay that you sit down to study this week, Um, especially the way that I'm outlining for you to study? You put in your 15 minutes and at the end you're like, I have no idea what that meant. I have no idea really what I read. Is that okay? Everyone say, It is okay because we are going to work it out together, okay? And the Lord is going to help us. So we have to have patience when we study scripture. The fourth P was the process, those tools that we needed. And I talked about those a while ago, your Bible, your pens, your commentary. I want to make a point about this. I know it says commentary on there, and I think that's really important. What I'm going to ask for you guys to do over the next few weeks is I want you to study on your own 
I want you to go through the read process, that record, explore, apply, and do process. I want you to go through that on your own and really give it a valiant effort on your own, okay? Before you go to the supplementary commentary. The reason I want you to do that is because I can come up here. Well, let me, let me say this. Oh, I can come up here and, and I can... Um, tell you everything that I've learned, all that God has revealed to me about scripture through this scripture. I can tell you my God shot and it will be, it will mark you. It'll be great, but it may not stay with you as much as if you put in the work. And um, if like, just for instance, if, if you built the house with your own hands, you're really going to appreciate living in that house a whole lot more than if someone else comes in and builds your house. Okay. So I'm just asking you if you will, Put in the time on your own before you go and read someone else's words about it. And then also before you come on next Tuesday and allow me to teach through the scripture. Okay. Now, after you teach through the scripture or I teach through the scripture, go back and look at commentaries. And you can, you can look at commentaries after you've done the work before Tuesday. Um, but just, you know what I'm saying? Does that, does that make sense? Just put in some effort is what I'm asking. Okay. It's really important because One of the things we're going to do different with this Bible study is next Tuesday when we come in, we are going to spend a little time. I'm going to ask some questions, and we're just going to do a little talking through with one another, okay? Um, So at the minimum, next Tuesday when you come in, I want you to have read through 1 John chapter 1 through through chapter 2, verse 2, and I'll tell you those again in a minute. That's the very least, okay? Now, if you, Tuesday comes around and you're like, I haven't studied, I haven't done anything, and I, I just can't go, come, please come anyway, okay? It is okay. I don't ever want you to say, I can't come to Bible study because I didn't do the work. Come, I want you to come, okay? Um, but I do want you to just say, make a, make a contract with yourself right now and say, you know what, Lord, I have to be disciplined as a Christian, right, don't we? When we gave ourselves to the Lord, We have to be disciplined enough on Sunday mornings to get up, to get our families dressed, and go to church. We have to be disciplined on Wednesdays to get our families home from school, get them fed, or get them to church. There's a discipline that comes with that. We have to be disciplined to pray. It doesn't just come naturally, okay? It is a discipline that we learn as Christians. So we can't expect that this is just going to impart to us with no discipline. And that was me for a very long time. It takes discipline to open your scripture and to actually read it, okay? So let's be disciplined. And the very last thing, of course, the last P, prayer. We cannot do anything without the prayer. We want to pray before we study, during our study, and after our study, and just ask the Lord to bless our time with him, to reveal the knowledge that we need, to help us, um, and that is our prayer. So five Ps. Everyone got that? Wouldn't understand? Y'all with me? And y'all can talk back to me. It's okay. All right. So in our scripture, I'm sorry, in our packet, let me flip over. Let's look at page. Oh, I don't have them numbered. If you go past 30, 31, it starts these, the the actual worksheet pages. Does everyone see them? I didn't number them because they're all kind of out of order, but the first thing. Does everyone see it? Okay. It starts with date, passage, record, first week, or recall following week. This is what the pages, the worksheets are going to look for you each week. You don't have to use these, but these help keep me on track. Okay. 
Might be get yours, Amy. Um, these help keep me on track. Does everyone find? Did everyone find it where you're supposed to be? If y'all help one another, okay. All right. So this is what your your pages are going to look like when we start studying scripture. If you want to go ahead and write on there at the very top where it says passage, First John. 1 verse 1 through second I'm sorry through 1 John 2 verse 2 1 John 1 and 1 through 1 John 2 and 2 1 John 1 and 1 through 1 John 2 and 2 That's going to be our first segment of passage in scripture that we're going to study over this next week okay so on this you can see we're going to record some things that are facts some things that we know to be true remember last week for those of you that were here I talked about if I had an apple in my hand we can look at the apple we know that it's red we know by previous knowledge that it is sweet we know that it is crunchy when you bite into it we know some things about the apple those are the factual things that we're going to record the things that we know to be true and then we're going to move into exploration, and that is where we're going to cut that apple open, and we're going to go talk to apple experts, and we're going to learn about apple seeds, and we're going to learn about all the history of apples. We're going to know everything there is to know about First, Second, and Third John, and John, and who he is, and what he's talking about, and who he's talking to. We're going to explore the commentary, um, the passage, okay? And then we're going to apply it, and then we're going to do it, okay? Does everyone see that? All right. You all ready to jump in to First, Second, and Third John? So today what we're going to do is we are going to go over the six W's of 1st and 2nd and 3rd John. So after you leave here, you're already going to know everything there is to know about the who, what, when, and why of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. All right? So the first thing, why are we studying 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John? Okay, we already know it's a very short book. We've gone through Genesis before. We've gone through some Romans, some longer passages. But why study this? Here's why. John's letters teach us the components of saving of the saving knowledge of God. In the next few weeks, when we study this, we're going to learn about how, how to have faith in Jesus. We're going to learn about how, what it looks like to be obedient in response to what God commands of us. And we're going to learn about the love of God and how to love others from the heart. Does that sound pretty good? We're going to learn all of that. And it, that's why it's important for us to study it. The epistle shows how followers of Jesus are to honor him in practical church life and wherever God calls his people to go and serve. All right, you heard me say the epistle. What is an epistle? It's a letter. It's a letter. So we are going to write or listen to the letter of John. All right. And then also, whenever you may be like, why, why John? Why John? Why first, second, third John? Well, here's why God told me to do it. And after I've read it, it makes sense. Now that I've begun to study it, I was like, okay, here's what we're going to learn. We're going to learn that the things that we read about in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John are so practical to what we're walking through today. And it's kind of comforting to think about that the things that they were dealing with back in 80, 90s, and, you know, AD, 90, they're still dealing with the same things we're dealing with now. It's comforting and disturbing that they haven't figured it out yet, but or we haven't figured it out yet, but it is still like, okay, they were still waiting on a, on the return, the second return of the Messiah, just like we are. 
And that's kind of comforting that they've walked through some things and have some knowledge for us, okay? All right, so each week I'm going to give you a new passage to study, um, and you're going to come ready to share. You become the expert. The six W's, so the number one thing, who is John? John is an apostle, okay? He's also known in Scripture as the son of Zebedee. He and his brother James, Scripture tells us, were the sons of Zebedee, and they were, um, he calls himself the beloved disciple of Christ, okay? And I love this. We're going to see all, or if you go back to the book of John, you're going to see that he refers to himself as the beloved disciple three times. He doesn't refer to himself as John, okay? So John 1.35, I'm actually going to read that to you, read some scripture to you. All right, 1 and 35 says this. The next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. This is John the Baptist, separate from John the Apostle, okay? John the Baptist was standing with his two disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. The two disciples, one of them being John, our John, heard him say this and followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and noticed them following him, he asked them, what are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, or Rabboni, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said, come and you'll see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. And then it goes on to tell us that John then became a disciple of Christ, okay? He was no longer needed to be a disciple of John the Baptist because John the Baptist said, hey, I'm only here to point to the one that's coming. The one that's coming is greater than me. I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes, So once Christ has entered the scene, it's not about me anymore. I need you to go follow Jesus. And so the disciples, John and uh, the other disciples, Simon Peter, they left John the Baptist and they began to follow Jesus Christ. So he is a disciple now of Christ. Okay. We know that from scripture that John um, that wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John was a fisherman. He was a disciple of John the Baptist. He was the brother of James, son of Zebedee. Um, and then we know that he was the beloved, uh, the beloved disciple of Christ. We see that over and over again in scripture. He was with God. He was like one of the, the main three disciples. It was Jesus, Peter, James, and John. Those were like Jesus's like BFFs. Okay. So he had the 12 disciples. Does everyone know that? He had 12 disciples, the people that followed him that he will eventually send out to become the new church. Um, But the three were kind of his, like, tight friends. Like, okay, y'all can all come with me, but they're going to come up with me kind of thing. So John, James, and I'm going to say the names right. John, James, and Peter, they were with Jesus at the Mount of Transfiguration. So when Jesus goes up onto the mountain and his face transforms in front of their eyes, John witnessed that with his own eyes. Okay, am I setting a stage for you where, 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 who we're talking about here? Y'all can act interested. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool, Casey. All right, also, <laughs> whenever Jesus was dying on the cross, he looked at John, our John, and he said, this is now your mother. He pointed to his mother. This is now your mother. He charged our John to take care of his mother. So after Christ died and then was resurrected and then ascended into heaven, We see, we read all about how the other disciples begin to go out and they begin to become evangelists, start new branches of the new church, begin to 
um, really build up the church in other areas, but we don't see a whole lot about what John did. And a lot of commentaries talk about how John, during this time, he stayed back in Jerusalem and he really took care of Mary. That's what he was doing the whole time. Now, he was still taking care of the church and he was still discipling the church, but he took that charge to heart and he said, no, I'm going to take care of Jesus' mother Mary. So that's what he was doing there. Um, John was with him whenever he, whenever Jesus died. And then we see that he appears to John after his resurrection, before he ascends into heaven, the man, Jesus appears to John when they were out fishing on a boat, him and Simon Peter and a few others were fishing on a boat and they weren't catching anything. And all of a sudden they hear from the shore, Hey, toss it on the left side or the right side. They toss the net on the right side. They bring up a whole heap of fish enough to almost flood their boat and then they bring it up, and then when they come to shore, they're like, I already know who you were, Jesus. I don't know if you read the scripture, they're like, we didn't even have to ask who you were, God. Like, Jesus, we knew it was you. And so they see the man, Jesus, had been resurrected, and they see the holes in his hands, and they see the pierced side. So when we talk about John, whenever we read about John and what he has to say to us, we need to read scripture, this scripture, with an understanding that this man has seen some things. This man is eyewitness to things that we can never have witness to. And the fact is, is that he, he outlived all the other disciples. He was one of the oldest ones, not one of the, he was the oldest one to die. He was actually the youngest disciple, but he outlived everyone else. He was the only disciple that was not martyred. The rest of the, the disciples were killed because of their faith. But God, for whatever reason, allowed John to live until about 80, they think about 80, 98. And he was able to live to a ripe old age and he died of natural causes. Okay, so the Lord kept him for whatever reason and that's even prophesied in scripture. So John wrote five books of the New Testament. Okay, he wrote the gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John. He wrote that one. Um, The book of John, if you've never read it, it's so beautiful because it really truly points to I call it the the deity of God. It really points to the supernatural of God, um, or I'm sorry, of Jesus, which is really cool. He wrote that. He wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And then does anyone know the last book that he wrote? Revelation. That's right. So about A.D. 70, Jerusalem fell, and and John um, left, and he went to Ephesus, and he began to preach to the people there in Asia Minor, um, which is like Turkey area now. And that's where he stayed. Then he was cast away to the Greek island of Patmos. And he was on Patmos, and that's where he received the vision from the Holy Spirit of what was going to happen in the end times. And he wrote the book of Revelation for us on the island of Patmos. And then commentaries say, it's not found in scriptures, but commentary says that because of his old age, they let him go. And he went back to Ephesus, and that's where he passed of natural causes. Is that pretty cool? All right, I'm going to see. All right, so we can trust John as an eyewitness. And as a church leader, he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. He understands the cost of following Christ. How do, how do we know that he understands the cost? He saw everyone else die at the hand um, of the people that hated the Christians. The people that were following, following Jesus, they were persecuted. John loved Jesus so much that he preached the gospel until his death. Okay? So we're going to learn more about John as our study continues. Oh, I do want to point this other thing out that I think is really cool. 
He is also called, Jesus gave him the nickname, the son of thunder. Did anyone know that? He's one of the sons of thunder. I'm going to read this scripture to you so that you know why, because I think it's a fun little aside. Have any of you ever done something whenever you were younger that you're like, oh God, please ignore that. Or like, like if people come up to you and they're like, I know you in high school. I knew you in high school. I'm not that person anymore. Please don't say that. Okay. This is kind of what happened with John whenever Jesus called him the son of, Ze- uh, the son, the son of thunder. Luke 9, 51 and 56. I'm going to read it to you. He says, when the days were coming to a close for him to be taken up, talking about Jesus, he determined to journey to Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead of himself, and on the way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But they did not welcome him. So the town did not welcome Jesus because he determined to journey to Jerusalem. So when the disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, hey, Lord, I'm paraphrasing here, hey, Lord, You want me to call down some fire from heaven and just consume them? And the Lord rebuked them and said that, and so they had to go to another village. Okay, so in his haste, he was like, hey, God, Jesus, we could just eat them up with fire. It'd be fine. Could you imagine them saying that on the way? And Jesus is like, God, not right now. Like, we got a journey to go on. Like, that's how I I see it. And so then later on in Mark 3, I'm going to pull over there. I keep saying pull over there, turn over there. Mark 3, verse 17 says, yeah, I'm going to flip around. I'm just going to flip over there. (laughs) He appointed the 12 to Simon. He gave the name Peter and to James, the son of Zebedee to his brother, John. He gave the name Benajere. I don't know. I'm not saying that right. That is sons of thunder. Okay. Isn't that cool? So he was like, look, you were about to call down fire from somebody. This guy's a son of thunder. I, think, I love that. It shows us the human side of Jesus, okay? So that's a fun aside to John. So who wrote the book of 1st, 2nd, 3rd John? John, the beloved disciple. I, I, I mentioned this, but I didn't go into it. In Scripture, he calls himself the beloved one or the disciple whom Jesus loved. And some of the commentaries talked about how he, they, he referenced himself as this, not as like, I'm the one who Jesus loved the most. It wasn't an arrogant thing. It wasn't a pride thing. Um, some of the commentaries say that it was truly a humble thing. So how would you like to be described as, I'm just a disciple, somebody that Jesus really loves. That's beautiful. So don't call me Casey. Just say, hey, she's just that girl that Jesus really loves. Okay. But it's just a humble thing. Like you're not, I'm not even worthy to say my name. I'm just a disciple who he loves. I know that he loves me. I think that's really cool, okay? So that's why he calls himself that in Scripture. All right. Back to my notes. When was this book written? 90 AD, 80 AD, anyone else? 80, 85, anyone else? Any other takers going once, going twice? I just put on here 8070 through 8100 because really it's not super known when it was written but we do know it was written in the last like like last quarter of his life. What? Late in John's life. Yeah. So we knew that he was older. Um so around 8030 33 is whenever Jesus began his ministry and that's when John began to follow Jesus and so from there to 8070, um, anyways, we're just talking about how young he was. 
and then he got older, and then he that's when he began to write um, John and the, and the epistles of John. Okay? Now, where does this land us on the big picture scale? Remember, we have creation and fall, re- uh, redemption, way over here, and then restoration for the New Testament. Does anyone know where it falls? Restoration? <laughs> It'd be restoration, yeah. It falls during restoration, the restoration period. So if you're looking at the Bible, Revelation, right there. <laughs> okay, does everyone see it? Towards the end in the New Testament. It's important to know that because you have to know that Jesus has already come. He's already been resurrected. He's already ascended into heaven. And now we are talking to the new church, which consists of God's chosen ones, the Jews, and also the Gentiles. Because after Christ has been resurrected and he ascended into heaven, he, um, he did that so that the Gentiles, the people that are not Jewish people, not his chosen ones, were able to be grafted into his family. Okay? Guess what? We are Gentiles. That's us. That's how we got to, to enter into the kingdom of God. Okay? It's through that, that grafting in. All right. Hope I'm not overwhelming here. All right. Who, when we got that? What genre is this? It's a letter. That's right. It's an epistle. It's a letter. Specifically, it's a circulatory letter. So the way that they would have done this is he would have written this letter and he would have given it to somebody and then that person would have read it and passed it through the church or churches. So this was a letter to someone, but several of churches, several churches would have read this letter. Um, one of the things I want to point out, it is a letter. So don't read this letter. Yes, we're going to read it and we're going to understand who he was talking to during this letter, but he was also talking to us as believers, okay? So when we read this scripture, we can read it saying, okay, this also applies to us as new believers or as believers in the new church, okay? Number four, who was he writing it to? The believers, yeah. So there's three, actually three different recipients. For First John, he was writing to the believers in a church, in the new church, Okay, specifically, he was writing to a church in Asia Minor, probably in the Turkey area. First John, it doesn't tell us specifically, it doesn't state explicitly who he's writing to, but some of the commentaries talked about how the um, first John, I'm sorry, second John, since it's so short, might have been a cover letter for the first John. Isn't that interesting? And it makes sense when you read it. Second John says that he's writing to the elderly lady and her children. <laughs> who is that? I don't know. We don't know who that is. Uh, a lot of people think it was just maybe um, one of the leaders over a house church. Maybe that's who he was writing to because there was home churches. They didn't have a lot of buildings like we have. They just met in homes. And so it might have been a leader in a home church that he was writing to that he highly esteemed. Um, and then, of course, in general, it was to the church. All right? And then third John, we see him um, point out three different people in third John. The first person that he is writing to, his name is Gaius. I'm going to spell it for you. G-A-I-U-S. G-A-I-U-S. And it says that he was a recipient of this letter and he was a faithful member of the church. Okay. The second person that he, wrote, he talks to in, in third John is... I'm going to butcher his name here. Diotrephus, D-I-O-T-R-E-P. 
P-H-E-S. Anyone else want to give it a shot? <laughs> and call him Dio. <laughs> Dio, diatrephus. All right, and I love this. Talks about how he was the one that was causing trouble. And the whole third John really kind of talks about, we don't want to be like Dio, okay? We don't want to be like him. He was causing some trouble, okay? And then the last person that he addresses in third John is Demetrius, D-E-M-E-T-R-I-U-S. And Demetrius was the letter bearer. He was the one that was holding the letter or that, that took the letter. All right. So who did he write to? Really, he's writing to the early church. He's writing to us as believers. So there are spe some specific people there, but, but we know since it's infallible, it's a Holy Spirit-inspired word of God, we know that it's written to us and for us, okay? All right, where did he write it at? He was writing, it was believed that he was writing from Ephesus, E-P-H-E-S-U-S, -E during the last century. That's where we believe he was writing it from. And then the last W, why? And we kind of talked about that a while ago, but I'm going to go over it one more time. Why in the world did he decide that he needed to write this letter to the early believers? Okay? He was writing that in order to give us the components of the saving knowledge of God. How did God save us? Why did he save us? And what does it look like to be a follower of Christ? And think about this. He was writing to people who had never followed Christ before. They probably weren't from the Bible Belt where everyone follows Jesus. Everyone knows Jesus, okay? They were starting on a new path that had never, I mean, it's like brand new. Um, it's not the Jewish culture that they might have learned before. It's something completely new that they are following, and people hate them for it. Does that sound familiar? Imagine this. They're meeting in houses. People probably thought they are a little radical, they probably thought that they were a little weird, a little strange, like you're following this guy who got killed and you say he was resurrected, but we didn't see that with our own eyes. Like, okay, okay, so you're following a ghost? Like, that's what you're, you see what I'm saying? They were getting persecuted. Does that sound familiar? Okay, so the things that he's going to talk about, and we're going to hear in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, truly do resonate with us and what we endure right now as believers in the new century okay so we have all of our whys where's why who any questions comments isn't that interesting i think it's so cool i love it all right <clears throat> so and i wanted to point this out too what's really interesting is that there's going to be some scriptures that you're going to read over first second third john and you're going to be like i know that maybe you memorize it as a child for instance if we can confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Have you ever heard that before? We're going to see that in First, first John. Um, and what's interesting is whenever we, we are able to pull out those scriptures that we've heard forever, and we're actually going to put them into context, okay? And that's really important to do. It is important for us to be able to do that because, as we're going to learn in First John, there are people that are going to come and try and teach you things that are not scriptural. So, for instance, if I said, um, what if I was putting an ad on Facebook and I was like, listen, y'all got to come to Rusk, Texas, and you have got to um, eat at, you got to eat at this wonderful Mexican food place, 
It has the best bean burritos. They are so fast, you can even drive through it in your car, okay? And they don't really have like rice and like rice, like good rice and beans or anything like that, but they have the best um, taco salads, okay? And you're gonna love it. You're gonna love it. And then you're gonna come and stay, and there's a little motel down by this golf course, and you're gonna go and you're gonna stay as best. They even have a pool, maybe, okay? And it's wonderful, and you're gonna love it. And they got golf in the backyard, okay? And it's gonna be fantastic. And then you can go, uh, you know, down the road and I don't know, another place. And you can go to, da, 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 to the shop. Yeah, tons of shopping. Tons of shopping. Okay? Tons of shopping. All right? So if I said that on Facebook, what would you think? Sounds like an amazing place. You'd be like, you are nuts, lady. You are so, what, what is she trying to fool? Nobody's staying at the motel. That's nasty. You was nasty, okay? You would know because you know Rusk. You, if you know Rusk, then you know she is pulling my leg. That is not true. Nobody's going to go to Rusk just to eat to, at Taco Bell. Okay, you're not going to travel from Missouri to Texas to Rusk to eat at Taco Bell and to stay at the motel. That's not going to happen. You know that because you know Rusk, okay? But if you don't know Rusk and you see that ad in a magazine with a beautiful picture of a, of a train, what would you think? I got to go visit. I want to take my kids. That's going to be fantastic. Okay, so listen, don't be deceived. We can't be deceived, right? Someone can easily, and this is why we have to be careful of going straight to commentaries, because we've got to be cautious to say, oh, they put that together so beautifully. Even myself, don't trust me. <laughs> Okay, I promise I study and I ask the Holy Spirit to help me, but you can't take my word for everything, okay? I've messed up. There's times I've come in and I've had to say, oh, I said that wrong. I messed that. I missed this, okay? I don't get it perfect. But if you didn't know the scripture for yourself, you can never say that. You can never be like, oh, she messed it up. Or if you're reading a commentary, it may really look beautiful. It may sound so inspiring, it may look so good and really hit you in the feels, but if it's not scripture, we don't want it. If it's not in the Bible, we don't want it. So we are going to ask the Holy Spirit to really help us to understand what's going on so that in the last days, we don't just make the, have the feel good, make us feel good, and think it's Jesus because it's not Jesus, okay? It's not all going to be Jesus. All right. Any questions so far? going to get out a little early today. I know. Thank you. All right. So we have the who, what, when, where. We understand that over the next week, oh, let me, let me walk you through this. Over the next week, you're going to do record, explore, apply, and do. There are questions here for you. I'm going to ask you to write down one last question. I'm so glad I did not forget this. So you can write it down wherever you want to, because we are going to answer this specific, I say it's a question. We're going to answer this specific statement every week. Okay, and this statement says this, knowing that God is blank, just write it down wherever, knowing that God is blank, I can make a blank, blank space for you, shows me that I am blank. Knowing that God is just, don't write that down, but I'm just giving you an example. 
Knowing that God is just shows me that I am, insert the blank. What does that show you about yourself? And if you're like, I don't know the attributes of God, I don't even, that doesn't even make sense to me, I've included it for you. So if you go to the very last page, there's an appendix with the attributes of God. So I promise you in Scripture and the passages that we're going to read, you're going to be able to point out, oh, God is Um, He's holy, he's good, he's glorious. One of those things are going to stand out to you. And so you can answer the statement, knowing that God is holy shows me that I am unholy. (laughs) Okay, whatever it is. That's going to be like, if you've read the Bible recap, she talks about the God shot. This is kind of going to be our God shot for the week. Okay, and that is going to help us to apply scripture to our life and to do something with it. If it shows me that I am unholy in this specific area, then what do I need to do to change that? Lord, I may not even have the answer. God, I need you to show me I'm unholy in this part of my life, but I don't want to be unholy in this part of my life anymore. You've got to show me how to get rid of it. And then you do the actions to get rid of it. You pray, you pray with somebody, you confess to somebody, whatever it is that he's leading on your heart to do. Okay. And then we're going to talk about that next week when you come in. Um, In here is the suggested reading plans for every day. And it just says, start with prayer, read or reread the chapter. Even just rereading this passage over and over again is going to do so much for you. I promise you're going to start thinking about it throughout the day. Then complete the daily activity listed below and then close with prayer. So if you're like, okay, God, I'm going to give it four good days this week. There's a four-day plan for you and it tells you exactly what to do each day. Isn't that so nifty? And then if you're like, okay, I have five or six days in me. I don't have as much time each day. Maybe I can only give 10 minutes a day, but I can do it for five days this week. Then it's going to break it up for you that way. Does everyone see that? Very practical. Okay, and then it tells you kind of what to do. You're going to like circle the repeated words. If it's repeated over and over in scripture, it's important. Okay, if it's a theme that keeps traveling throughout, it's important. So underline those things, highlight those things. Do not be afraid to mark in your Bible. Guess what? God gave you paper for that reason, okay? Mark that baby up. Ask questions in there, okay? Write questions out to the side. Thank you for listening to our Cove Ladies Bible Study Podcast. Please click the link below to check out all of our upcoming events and classes. Have a great day, and we will see you on the next episode.